Welcome to the show. Whoa. Okay, now I just hit it again. Well, that just screwed that up. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. I didn't mean to cut the music off so uh, abruptly, but oh well. Uh, as you can tell, I'm in a good mood and for good reasons. And, you know, you'll learn from this episode. Um, if there's a little feedback that I cannot cut out from the phone call, he did it while he was on the phone. But, oh, yeah, this is episode 121, so welcome to that, you know, that whole spiel. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, you'll, you'll find out from the guys. But if there's any feedback that's in there a little bit, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, it's a phone call. It's, it's raw, and what are you going to do? But uh, everything uh, made it through, so we're good. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go, um, well, I'm going to go do some stuff, and you guys are going to go listen to this interview. All right, guys. See you in a bit. All right, guys, back again. Um, so our next guest is, I told him off mic, I've been trying to get him because he's, you know, as I stress many times, I've, I really stress about the best representation for, especially for people with disabilities, because we go through a lot and a lot of people don't understand what it is we go through, but I think the beautiful part of it is what comes out on the other side, if we can kind of figure out how we can make our disability work for us. And uh, our next guest is, uh, is this the same as that? And um, so you want to tell us your name and uh, a little about yourself? Yeah, my name is Sean Harper. Uh, currently, I live in Columbus, Ohio. Played about seven years professional football. I'm three in the NFL, three to four in the, over in NFL Europe. Had a wonderful time playing sports. Uh, had a wonderful time traveling, speaking. Investing currently, I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, and I'm a owner of two companies, and I love to win, and that's what we're going to do. So let's let's have at it. Let's have fun. Let's do it. Um, so you, I believe I read you have four different disabilities. Yeah, and uh, it actually it started uh, when I was in the fifth grade when I was first diagnosed. You know, I was I'm really struggling in class. And after, after repeating the first grade and struggling from the first, second, third, fourth into the fifth grade, one day in class, uh, my teacher noticed me struggling as I was reading out loud and stuttering. And she suggested that I go get tested. And after about two or three days of testing, they're like, get your mom in here quick. And so they called my mom and said, ma'am, your son, uh, Aaron Sean, has uh, four, maybe five uh, documented learning disabilities. Now, I don't know the exact ones, but I know one had to do with shapes, one had to do with uh, rope, memorization, dyslexia, things like that. Right. And it's really you know, pampered, and I struggled. And they was, you know, going to prescribe a, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, this program, that intervention, and, and you know, my mom intervened. And, you know, she's like, you know what? My son's uh, not disabled. He is uniquely enabled. And that was huge. Yeah, that moment right there was huge for me. So yeah, that uh, was huge. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of one of the key things for us is if if someone kind of steps in because we're you you know you were too young, so if someone comes in and actually says like there's nothing wrong with him, even if there technically is, um, the support and the love from whoever a family member whoever, uh, it, it it goes a long way down the road. Yes, it does. Um. So, but before you were diagnosed, uh. Did you kind of think you were different, or you just thought you were just like a regular child? No, I was a regular child who struggled. I thought that I was different in the sense that uh, I didn't achieve 
you know, it kind of wreaked havoc on my achievement ideology, you know, saying, hey, you know what, uh, everyone else is, you know, reading advanced books and you're still in uh, remedial books, you know, and, you know you're actually struggling uh, reading at the, you know, second and third grade level when your kids are in the fourth and fifth grade and, you know, praying that I was never called on in class, you know, that kind of hampers you a lot. And that uh, really, you know, it, uh, it really had a profound negative effect upon me. And it was crazy because a lot of things that I struggle with now or back then are in fact my gifting. I just had to fight through and work through. Like I love to write books. I don't write the books, but I have like, I have so many books in my mind and finally I found some great writers and all I do is just get a microphone and just start talking. And they're like, wow, that's great content. Like, oh, you think so? Oh, man, I know so. That's a book. Next thing you know, it's a book. I probably have about four four books that are out, that are finished. I just need the covers for them so you don't see them. And then I have about uh, four more in my mind, compartmentalized, ready to go. Four more books right now. Yeah, and that's kind of what, what I've discussed with some other people on uh, a woman and I, a woman I had on who had a traumatic brain injury. We kind of came up with the whole... Our disability is really like our superpower, but it takes a long time for us to kind of tap into it because there's so much, you know, yeah. so much abuse and there's just so much to learn from it because we go through the stages of being numb and then being shame, you know, shameful of it and all that. And then if we could come out on that other side, we can kind of get past our mental health and we can get to a place where we can accept our disability and realize there's a lot, to, there's a lot more there than we're told, like, you know, I'm really big on, you know, what our limitations really are and not what people tell us they are. And once you figure that out, it, it, there's a lot of beauty and a lot of great things that can come from it. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure like, what was what was once you were kind of told like that, uh, you know, what was wrong with you? Um, how how was school for you, you know, for a while? Because I know I saw I read some oh. things about you. Like your teachers told you you couldn't do certain things. And Oh, yeah. It was tough. But I think. I think what my mom did was absolutely ingenious with that. She actually disguised it, right? She, she, she disguised it to the fact that I forgot that I had a disability. So she treated me the same. Hey, you can do better in class. Let's go. Hey, come on. Uh, hunker down, study harder. So she never allowed it to be a crutch. So what it did is forced me to develop other tactics and strategies and methodologies. In other words, Superman has kryptonite, but you never see Superman focus on the kryptonite. Right. You always focus on what he can do, and then when he comes across kryptonite, another superhero helps him, and then he keeps on being super. and keeps on being great. She ignored it to the fact that it disappeared. Yeah. Well, I was even going to say with even with I was actually going to use a Superman reference as well in the fact that it seems like she kind of put the cape on you and it made you feel strong, and yes. yeah, it protected you from all that you know that couldn't you know hurt you. Um, yes. But but I mean e- even even with her protection, school can be rough for anybody because if even if you have a weirdly you know a weird last name or something, they'll pick on you. But the fact that if you're even a little off in any way, shape, or form, or you have something visible to the naked eye. Uh, you could easily get picked on. Did that ever happen yeah. for you? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Oh my goodness. Yes. I was. I was bullied continually. But let me clarify something. 
אנשים, she made me wear the cape. She made me, she didn't protect me. She threw me out there and said, carry your cape until you're able to wear your cape. Right. That's beautiful. And it's funny, I'm going to the, right, right. And, 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 and it's funny because I'm sitting here having this conversation with you, right? Right. And I just realized that I'm going through the same thing right now. Oh, yeah? To try to get my speaking, my coaching, everything. I, mean, I am like hitting resistance and resistance and setbacks and setbacks. I mean, I'm, I, am a, I am a successful speaker. You I'm are. not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. I'm a great coach. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. And it gets exhausting because I'm going, and I just realized it just now, I'm going through the same process I went through to become a speaker, the same process I went through to become a professional athlete, the same process I went through with setback after setback after setback after setback, disappointment, frustration. I want to quit, spend all kind of money, but I keep going through this process until one day, is going to pop. And when it pops, it's going to pop huge. Right. And I just realized that just now talking to you that I'm in the midst of the same process and I can't avoid it. No, but, but I, I, I don't, I'm not going to speak for you, but I would assume the setbacks you're having, because I always say like, I always use the quicksand, quicksand theory where your goal is to take two steps forward and not, and one step backwards and not the other way around. Cause the longer you go through your life, you stop taking uh, more steps backwards, you start going forward more. So I'm assuming a lot of your step, your setbacks now, because you're still a set man. You you know who you are. You're mature. You figured out who you are. You still have learning, because you know we all do. We, we're not. None of us are perfect. But I'm I'm assuming your setbacks now are not two or three steps backwards. They're just a setback that you can get over in a day or two, or a week or two, or a month, and you'll you'll get right back on your horse and keep going. It's a little bit of both. Okay. Fair yeah, because if I'm taking steps in something that I am that I am familiar with, mm-hmm. I a little stumble here and there, and you're fine. That's where most people are. You know, they venture off into something that I'm kind of familiar. But me, nah, I want to jump into something totally brand new. But guess what? There's going to be a lot of stumbling. Now you can mitigate the stumbling. You can mitigate it by having a mentor. You can mitigate it by doing a lot of studying. You can mitigate it by taking baby steps so you don't fall. You can mitigate it by being humble. It's really hard to fall when you're on your knees, right? Right. But but when you jump into something brand spanking new, oh, man. Yeah. It's yeah you're out of your comfort zone. Exactly. No, I, I, but I, I will say just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give you any advice, but just when you said to me before, when we first talked earlier, um, I'm going to go give a speech. And one of the things I read about you was it was a teacher said that you'll never, whatever it was, go to college or you never be able to do any kind of speakings. And you're giving a speech regardless of what it's about, like everything you were told you couldn't do and everything I'm sure deep down you probably thought you couldn't do, you're achieving it. It's just you continue to go to other avenues where you're not as familiar with, but you, you like a challenge. So you're always coming right. from the underdog position. And yeah, but if you, ne- if you would have stuck to what you're comfortable with that you are, and you you're now comfortable in many different avenues, 
um, you would be fine, but you keep challenging yourself. So, you know, that's why you keep having setbacks, but it's a good thing because you keep learning and you keep making, you know, making yourself a better person as, you know, your life goes on. Yeah, I think I think that one 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 of the secrets of that is to look at your setbacks as as tuition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not a failure. It's tuition. And uh you learn the lesson because life gives you the test first. Then it, then if you're lucky and humble enough, it teaches the lesson. Yeah. And even if you want like, to, I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like, like I'll give you an example of one of the lessons that I've just learned you know, is that when people come to you and tell you what they can do mm-hmm. and how they can help you, take it with a big grain of salt. A huge grain of salt. You want to find people who are doing it and who are in that space and they're knocking it out the park. Right. You want to ask them. Stop letting people come to you and sell you stuff. Okay? You need to see somebody who's doing it and they ain't trying to sell it. That's the person you want to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't yeah. you can't forget and you yeah. can't forget where you came from and you you know just because you know, like even with you, in this case, like you know, in in, in the as in aspects of the world, you're technically bigger than me, and as far as notoriety, or whatever. But the fact that you willing to even talk to me, which and not that I th- ever thought you wouldn't, but it's like you always have to look out for everyone out there because there's people that are going through similar things, they're struggling, but they're they're overcoming, and it doesn't really matter their status in life. There are a lot of people that can really help you. It just it just depending on what they can help you with, whether it's just giving you a little knowledge and help you get through the day. Um, you know, there, cause there's, there's plenty of traps set out there for you. And I'm sure, you know, because you, you know, you played professional sports and there's plenty of traps just even in that itself. Oh yeah. Tons of, tons, tons of traps. A lot, a lot of the traps, however, are birthed from your desire. Yeah. So if you're moving from your desire versus moving from your call. You can get hooked up and hemmed up in a, in a, in a lot of traps. Yeah. Well, the, being, you know, yeah. yeah. Being, being, being enticed from your desire, you are, you are led. Oh, I'm sorry. You are actually driven. Yeah. Being enticed from the call that God is giving you, you're being led. This is different. You got you have to be able to discern which is which. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, before we kind of delve into, I do want to say because I read something in your your bio, you talked about because of living in certain neighborhoods that you didn't want to be a statistic. Now I, I I pretty much know what you mean, but can you explain what that meant? Yeah. So a lot of people in our neighborhood. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years later, did not have the best outcome. And I'm not just talking about crime or being, you know, empowered, not living up to their full potential. Right. You know, that is one of my, you know, big fears, not living up to my full potential. And, and, and it's, and it's uh, you know, it quietly hunts me. Like, you can do better. You can do better. You can do better. Don't settle. You can do better. 
And, and uh, yeah, so uh, there are tons of people. Like, I was not the most talented person in our sports. I wasn't the most talented person in, in, in uh, tons, tons of gifted. I just didn't quit. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I just didn't quit. That's the only difference. Yeah. No, well, not the only difference. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of pressure, especially, you know, I know you're, you being black, being in certain neighborhoods, there's a lot of pressure because, you know, one of the terms that is thrown around for certain neighborhoods is, is you know, the, the ghetto is called the trap, where a lot of people don't make it out because of all that is there polluting those areas, not just the crime, but the drugs, just even the fast food restaurants, like there, there's not a lot of health uh, or trying to help from, from the outside world because it's a, it's a forgotten area uh, by most people, regardless of the color. Um, there's a lot of black people yeah. that make it out and they forget all about where they came from because now they have money and they just don't ever want to go back to an area that reminds them of, of a bad time. Um, and it, it, it you know, yeah. It's, yeah. So yeah. And, and you are, you are 100% correct. I believe what saved me honestly was leaving Columbus and going to a junior college in Iowa. Yeah. Going to, you know, somewhere totally, totally different, a different culture, a different seed area to where I was able to escape the traps, especially the nutritional trap. You know, you're right. There is no, it's an actual food desert in a lot of inner city areas. That is, yeah. that is by the law. Crime, job opportunities, they're not there. No. How many jobs are readily available Five miles from where you live, or three to four miles where you live in certain areas, versus where you know if you move to an actual suburban area, there's so many other opportunities. There's 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 restaurants, there's good food, there's great jobs. It's a lot there. You're right. Yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of information that doesn't get to those like no matter where you live like I I now live in a small town I live in Williamsport which is not that far from Ohio it's a couple hours but or a few hours but um I moved to Philadelphia um, after I got really sick and life lighted in a hospital and so I moved there my sister I'm a white boy but my sister's half Puerto Rican and I went to school and I was like every friend I had was a different color or they were gay or whatever. And we just goofed around. We had a lot, a lot of fun at each other's expense. And, you know, we said, you know, insensitive jokes, especially in this time. Um, but it wasn't anything that was harsh. And so I didn't know anything about racism or any of that shit. I was just like, it is what it is. Like, I just like you for who you are. You like me. And then of course, having a disability on top of it, it's noticeable, but people are accepting me for who I am and it doesn't mean anything. And then when you get around certain people that have certain, like they, they're not like, let's say the small town that I live in, there's plenty of open-minded, good people here. And there's plenty of different ethnicities, but nowhere near like Philadelphia. And there's a lot of people that are very close minded because they haven't gone anywhere from three towns over. And it's, a, I would assume it's the same thing, even in, in, in the ghettos where you're kind of around the same individuals that are doing the same behavior. They really don't know even not only just white people, but they don't really know what goes on in the world until you really experience other cultures and you get out and see what other neighborhoods and what other music and, and, and all kinds of things before you can really experience and understand, you know, what people are like and not just be around the same like-minded people or just kind of filling your head with the same garbage. Yeah. So what you're saying is basically is what I just said is, you have to get out. 
yeah. truth brings judgment. Because once you know, you know. I remember the first time I went to Orange County. I hadn't even heard of Orange County, California. What is Orange County? <laughs> like, I want to go to L.A. This is Orange County. And I go to Orange County, and I'm like, wow. I look at the ocean, I lose my mind. Right. And then I find out that then I find out that the people who live in South Central Los Angeles, ten miles from the ocean, never been to the ocean. Right. I, right. I it just blew my mind. It's like people grow their entire life in parts of Los Angeles and has never been to the ocean. If you see something like that, it now brings everything into judgment. And what I mean by bring into judgment is that one day I was standing at on the beach, and I'm looking out at this massive ocean, and I'm saying to myself, I am so small. I am so in the grand scheme of things of life. Okay? Uh, Number one is, A, it's not all about me. And number two is, I need to make a bigger impact. Absolutely. Because truth brings judgment. Yeah, no, that's that really true. And a lot of this will translate to what I wanted to talk on. It's like, what, what made you want to get into to football? Truthfully, my mom made me play. I didn't want to play football. I mean, I liked it, but when I was in second grade, my mom was like, you're going to go play football. I was like, I don't want to play football. No, you're going to play. And I promise you, she made me and my neighbor, we walked almost two miles to and from practice every day, every single day. And I didn't like it. I was horrible. I sucked at it. But she wanted me to have stronger male influences in my life. And that's how it happened. I loved football. I watched it when I was a kid. But I didn't like playing it. Because I didn't like running sprints up and down the field and all the little football drills. I hated it. Yeah. And you were you were an offensive tackle, right? Offensive tackle. Now – was there, and again, I don't, I don't know the answer, but do, do you, did you have any, like, anger or rage issues? Because you could really get that out with football. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and a lot, you know, I discovered that a lot of anger comes from young men when they have an absence of a father. Right, right. It brings a lot of that out. It channels it. And when a young man is not confirmed, he, he is extremely resentful. Yeah. He's extremely resentful towards the person that's supposed to confirm him. Now he is now trying to identify and to confirm himself in other external means, whether it's how tall he is, whether it's how smart or this or this or what gang or what affiliation. I'm looking for validation. And they'll go that in you know their their entire life looking for that. Yeah. What's um and again? I, I think football translates more than any other sport, and not just because it's my favorite sport. Now I know you played for them, but I'm a I'm a huge Rams fan, and not just because we just won, but I've been a Rams fan for a long time, and I bought I bought the DVDs and all that, and just watching all the celebrations and all these guys get along, and you know they call they say they love each other, and they're you know the brotherhood and all that, and. Um, it, it's like a true meaning of actually you have to get each other's back or you will not succeed. And it does not matter of your color or any of that. Like if you care about that stuff, you aren't going to, you know, it's not going to work. Um, did like for you, when you actually got to join a team and realize like, cause you're, you know, you're an offensive tackle for people who don't watch football, 
you know, you're essentially a protector. So no one can get to your running back or your quarterback. And if you screw up, you know, it screws up everything. Not just you, but I mean, you specifically, if you screw up, everything goes to hell. Um, you know, did you, how, wh- what did you, like, is there a lot of le- lessons that you learn from, you know, being a football player? Oh, man, you know what? I, I don't even have time to talk about all the lessons. Right, or just the important ones, the most important. Well, yeah, it, it's uh, understanding that, you know, you know, it, for me, good teams work together, great teams work as one. And that's one of my personal frustrations is, like, how do I get a team to of a team? Yeah. Because when you got it, you got it, you can feel it. You know, good teams work together, great teams work at once. So I don't have a lot of corporate experience. And so growing up, it's, it's always been team. Okay, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. This is how you flow. You flow as a team. That's big for me. Okay. And going into the regular world, that's, that's kind of non-existent. So that was tough. But some of the great lessons I've learned is I learned perspective. So I'll tell you a story. When I played uh, football, you know, if you can imagine 50 players showing up to practice, you know, most of us are single. You know that we don't care how we look. You know, we got sweatpants on and, you know, we're just, hey, I'm showing up to practice. Right, right. You know, now, who cares? Sleeping eye, you know, just whatever, right? And, and, and uh, but then there was one guy who's come to practice every single day, and he had it on a. And I'm like, wow, this guy has a shirt and tie on every single day at practice. And so one day, you know, after he, you know, I mean, he played like 20 years, and 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 so I, you know, I asked him, why do you do that? And it's like, basically, it's like I. I have to have the right perspective. The right perspective is, is that this is business. It is not a sport. It is business. And so I have to have that mindset. In other words, you have to have the perspective of an owner to take ownership of what you do. So right. check it out. It's very interesting is that when you watch football, there's this huge dichotomy that's going on, right? It's, 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 it's one thing. Another thing to a fan, they're watching it from one perspective. Yeah. Uh, a coach is watching the game from another perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the media is watching it from a financial perspective. The owner is, is viewing the game, and they're watching the game at the same time. The players they got their own perspective. Everyone has their own perspectives of one game. If you want to last in the game, you have to have the perspective of the owner. Because the owner understands that, hey, this is my team. I'm the boss. This thing is revenue. Now, you can have a, now, now, you can get away with having the perspective of the media, which is why certain players they laughed in the league because they create a lot of controversy. Controversy sells tickets. So they understand that, right? So, you know, certain teams love those extremely controversial players because that 
sales ticket. That's the media's perspective. But yeah. if you really want to play this game long, you're going to have the owner's perspective. That's the, that's the perspective you have to have. Yeah. I mean, that, there's a reason why the Cowboys are so successful in that avenue, but even though they don't win anymore. Like, they they may make the playoffs, but they get knocked out in the first round, but they have an owner that's controversial. They, you know, they have players. A lot of times they'll, they'll sign the player that's kind of, you know, got gotten some off-field incidences. And, right. And it's like, oh, look, great. And then you realize it's like, yeah, but you're not winning. But it doesn't matter. That's why they'll do hard knocks and a lot of these, like, you know, shows that pay attention to them. But then when the actual games start, it's like, oh, okay, there we go. But they still draw in fans. They're always sold out. You know, the money yeah. is still flowing. And I think yeah. and a lot of these kids, like, come in, especially with, like, the NBA when they used to come in from high school, they would give them, here, here's $20 million and here's all these endorsements. And these kids are coming from, you know, really shitty areas. And it's like, here's all the money. This is, like, some of the traps we were talking about. Again, I, I don't know what it's like, but I, I know I've, I've met a few athletes and, I you know, I'm kind of a nerd at this shit. But it's like there's, you know, there's so many traps set up and you're supposed to just come in and a lot of these guys don't really know the value even of their bodies because, like, let's say, like, Patrick Mahomes, he just got, you know, a 500, you know, he's got $50 million for 10 years. Well, the reason why they do all these guarantees is because his career may end next season. He may get hurt and never come back, but at least he's set for life. But if he doesn't get all those guarantees, and again, not all his money is guaranteed, but the reason why he, you know, they set in these certain places because these players really are expendable. They don't want to admit that, but they're very expendable. And if, if Patrick Mahomes, his career can end next season, even though he's the best quarterback in the league, it doesn't mean anything. In three years, he may not even be in the NFL anymore, but he's still got the money to keep himself financially set for his family and down the road, so he's good for life. Yeah, yes. Yes, you are. You are one percent correct. You have to be smart, and again, I, I mean, I, I do it on a much smaller level, but you have to, you have to really know your value and, and, you know, how easily you can be taken advantage of. And if you don't think of it, and the NFL is such a not NFL, but football is such a violent sport, and you have to be crazy to sign up for it. And if you're going to, you have to kind of know the risk of, of especially injuries. And you, you lasted seven years, and the average NFL player only lasts three and a half. So you outlasted two NFL careers for somebody, even though seven isn't that long for some of the all-time pros or any of that. But seven years to be in that violent of a sport and still be okay because, you know, you already have these learning disabilities and you could just get concussed over and over and over like some of these players and not come out of it on the other side. Even You can come out of it even worse just based off of the hits. I, I did get concussions over and over again. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah, it's... It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, I can, I can feel, I can feel the toll that it's had. I can sense the toll that it's had. Yeah. I can do a good job of hiding it and masking it, but, whoa, I tell you, it's bad. It can be, you know, but there are people who are far worse than me, so. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, for, just for the layman, what is it like to be like on the offensive line and a guy is coming straight at you and you know, you have to block him. You have to do what you can to wrestle him off you or, you know, keep him from getting to your core, but at least by time. But I mean, you have to be a little crazy. So what is that like? Just being a guy coming at you and you know, you have to, you know, not fight him, but in, in some ways you do. Yeah. So imagine, imagine a fire engine and the firefighter 
has this big hose. Okay. And he cuts on the hose full throttle. It's enough to carry one or two men off their feet. Yeah. Then he has to shut it down. And then he shuts it down and all that pressure's there. And then he goes to the huddle or to back to the fire truck and he comes back out and he opens it up for three to five seconds. That is what it's like. It is controlled chaos. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you let it out yeah. and then you go back to the huddle and you shut it down. Wow. Do you, do you like do you feel bad like when you actually give up a sack? <laughs> Like, I know, I mean, it might be a stupid question, but, like, you as a person, how do you feel when it's yeah. essentially your fault on that play? Yeah. Yeah. You feel really bad. Really bad. You got to own it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I mean, because we, we look at, again, we look at them as just players. Even even if, oh, I may have my favorite players on my team, we don't look at them a lot of times as the whole team. I'm pretty big on like, even when somebody makes a little play, it's like, wow, like you stepped up. It doesn't, you don't have like, for me, I'm a Rams fan. It doesn't have to be Aaron Donald every time making a play. Like I understand everybody is accountable, but it's like, we sometimes forget about like how humiliating it is even just to get like an offensive penalty when you, when they made a first down and now they have to start over. And it's like those, cause the offensive linemen, they get the least amount of credit, maybe them and the kickers, but you get the least amount of credit, but you're just as valuable as any player on the field or in any sport, really. Yeah. So what we've learned to do is to, is to pull our value from the internal versus the external. Right. And we know our value and we pull at times our value through other players because their success now becomes our success. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to ask you one just, like, typical sports question, but, like, who is, like, the hardest guy for you to block? It doesn't have to be a famous yeah, person. It could be just any random guy. But yeah, so uh, there's a guy named, uh, I think he's dead now, named Chester McLaughlin. I roughly know the and name. He was, he was tough. He was tough. Fortunately, I think one of the toughest guys in the league to block was on my team. His name was Tony Saragusa. Oh, yeah. Him I know. Yeah, the goose. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, big, you know what? Boy. It is so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was so cool because I know that I don't have to deal with you on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, he would take up two blockers. Like, I was, it was ridiculous how yeah. big he is. And when you see him on the sideline, it's like, Jesus Christ, of course you played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You played for, what, three teams? Uh, Yeah. Actually, actually, I was with Houston for – a half season. Uh, so Houston Rams was it the Colts and who was the other one? Rams. Yeah, and then it was, uh, nope, it was then it was NFL Europe. Oh, NFL Europe. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. So I don't want you know I don't want to delve too much in football, but it, it is very fascinating because you know again I I don't think people we look at these athletes like they're just like ah you know they're just our entertainment for the day, but you know you guys have feelings and and you guys have. You know, again, NFL, like I said, is so such rough sport. And um, like, okay, for, so why did you retire? Was it like an Andrew Luck type of Calvin Johnson type of ordeal where you retired because it was just like, look, it's not worth it. I'm getting hurt too much. I'm in my prime, but I don't no. want to be here. Or were you just kind of past your prime and you couldn't do it anymore? Yeah, I think it. You know, it just. I think every player has that clock. It's like a time. Uh-huh. It's tough. I mean, you know, I had, you know, 
opportunities, you know, to go back to Europe or to play in this arena, but it was time. It's just, let's go. Let it go. And that's how it ended. That's good. Yeah, I mean, because there's, there's players that don't make it out like you do. Like, on, on the as far as just being all with it, like, I remember hearing about Wes Welker. He had, like, 15 concussions, and I'm like, boy, that's not good. Like, that's he's yep. going gonna to have a problem. Even if it's not right now, he's going to have a problem for a long time, and that's the whole CTE problem that they're having, and they're trying to cut yep. back on the concussions, and um, it's got to – yeah, it's got to be a major do – you, do you worry about that with the, the CTE? Well, I really can't uh, – go into that fair but enough, uh enough. yeah i i i um yeah i actually worry about that extensively right and just little small things that i'm doing around you know every single day i'm looking at signs and symptoms of that right, right. and uh yeah and yeah it, it is it's real that's all i can say is firsthand experience it's real Right. I got you. Fair enough. That's good enough for me. Um, just my last like sports question. We can kind of get into what you're you're into today. Um, what, what was like your your stance on the whole with the because it goes back to just even the racial stuff with with the whole kneeling. Now I think a lot of people get the misconception that it's just these people who are refusing to you know about you know they're they're kneeling because they don't care about the army and all that shit and it, it makes no sense because it's, it has nothing to do with that. Most of these guys have fathers, uncles, grandfather, whoever have been in or were in, in the war, and they're very supportive of that. But people don't really understand the real meaning behind it. So, like, what was your take on the whole when it comes to kneeling in the NFL? So, here's my view, and I hope this doesn't look well. I mean, I don't care if it does. No, who cares? Go ahead. <laughs> Do your thing. Yeah. Right. So, he is. He is exercising his rights. Now, I don't agree with him using the NFL platform to exercise his rights. But at the end of the day, he's exercising his rights. Now, you got to understand that we don't live in a democracy. Right. We live in a republic. There's a difference between a democracy and a republic. To the republic for which it stands. Now, understand this. The, an actual democracy says, hey, mob rules. Whatever we vote, the majority rules, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. The republic says, no, here are the rules, and I don't feel there's a million people that want to do it. The rules are the rules. According to the rules, he has a right to free speech and expression. Right. Now, as I said earlier, I do not agree with him using the NFL platform to do that, but at the end of the day, it is right. Now, and this is why this is so important, because if we now attack him, what's to say 10 years from now, and they're like, well, we don't like left-handed black people. Well, I'm a left-handed black person. We don't think you should be around, and since mob rules and we're a democracy, guess what? then you don't have a right. You don't have a right to pray. We don't like that. You know, what the heck is that all about? You praying. Hey, you don't have a right to bear arms. The same people could say what you can't do on this side is a slippery slope. Yeah. So you have to respect that because you have rights you want to keep as well. Right. 
It's, and if you allow them to go after him, eventually they're going to come after you. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like the, the, the guys who created South Park, they were talking about when uh, like Reverend Al Sharpton was having a like burial, like a funeral for the N-word. And they came out and said, well, it's either all or nothing. You either you either keep all the words or you ban all of them because at some point someone else is going to want another word and another word and another word. And it's you start taking away certain freedoms to say this and to do this. At some point, someone else is going to go, well, this bothers me, and now I want this. And that's why we're in this politically correct cancel culture we're in now. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it, it's really frustrating. But what are you going to do? Um, quickly, well, actually, my one my one question, quick, I wanted to ask is, uh, did did like with your learning disabilities, was there any like, did, was there any effects or anything that prohibited you when it comes to like football that was noticeable? Uh, no, no, no. Because yeah. I guess I, I, don't I okay. yeah, I guess at at the at the beat, you know, it's kind of a pretty basic sport. I mean, it's it's brutal. But it's pretty, you know, self-explanatory. There's really, and like everybody's got issues, and especially you now you're all hurt, so you can't even really make fun of each other. It's like, oh boy, you, you know, you have you, you know, you can't think a certain way. But it's like, yeah, but you could barely walk. What are you, you going to say to me? Um, and you can't really, you know, you kind of need each other. And like I said before, it's a brotherhood, so you kind of have to. You can, you got to put all that shit aside. You know, uh, I think that uh, one of the challenges that uh, football did cause was, you know, increased memory issues uh, that came out of that, you know. There's a lot of issues that comes from playing sports. I had more issues leaving in the NFL than I had going into the NFL. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, it's life, but, you know. Um, when you finally retired, did you like, what was your, what, what did you want to do after? Cause now it's over and it's, you know, you're in a totally different world right now. Like you're not beating people up. So, you know, what, what was your next step as far as, you know, kind of going into what you're doing now? Well, so I, I actually, you know, started speaking when I love it. I love to actually speak and, and to encourage and to motivate, you know, and just like right now, I'm talking to you right now. I just left a speech, and I was able just to share my story, and they and you know, people love to hear my story and how I came up and the challenges, and I just love to be able to do that. Yeah. What what, what gave you the courage? Because obviously, you know, you said you even have setbacks now, where you're you're worried about. <laughs> you know, speaking properly and all that. And I'm sure you, you're probably very particular in your words and how you, you know, come out and come across. But what, what what gave you, like, the confidence that you could even give any of these speeches? Well, uh, just, I guess repetition is the mother of skill. Right. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't really venture off into, you know, other types of deep, you know, deep presentations and things like that as much. I just stick with my story. This is this is my story, and you know what? And this is what happened. And you know, fortunately, a lot of people love that because they didn't play. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much more to you than just the football stuff. That's the thing. Like, 
it, it, it you had such an interesting upbringing and uh, you had to go through so much that a lot of this kind of prepared you for the NFL. And then the NFL is now preparing you for what you're doing now. I don't know if it's preparing me. It gives me the platform. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But that's the yeah. thing. You're using it to yeah. the right, to your best ability. You're not being like a yeah. very, you're not being overly cocky or confident. It's like, Oh, I was in the NFL and I did this and I did that. You're just like, yeah, I was in it, but I'm using it to also spread awareness on, you know, all the things that you had to go through. Because you, you know, as you said, you you were big on not being a statistic. Well, you broke two statistics. You you got out of a bad neighborhood, and you're not just some guy just sitting on a corner, but you're also dis- you have a dis- you have disabilities and you're working, which 75% of us are unemployed, and you're breaking that statistic. So you're breaking so many while speaking and and you know you're breaking you're breaking your own statistic or you know you're breaking your own you know barriers by speaking yeah 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 it's a blessing you know what i've you know talking to you you it's just it's just really really enlightening and you know i think i would like to you know raise awareness for you know other people who have challenges especially people who develop disabilities later in life do the sports. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's a niche. Like the whole, yeah, like the whole uh, CTE thing. Right. That would be huge. Yeah. And, and people do it, but it, it's so rare. And, and, you know, like when I started doing this, I was told many times that why do you want to talk about people with disabilities that's not sexy? It's like because it, it's it's important and if we continue to forget about it, nothing will ever change. Like I rather sacrifice everything so that the next up and coming Sean or me doesn't have to go through what we went through to sacrifice and, and, and push as hard. The average person with a disability right. should just be able to get a job. Same with a, an upcoming black kid who's in a bad neighborhood. He just wants to work and he's not because you know, whatever circumstances are in his way. Like we need to break the barriers. We have to have real conversations because a long time ago, you and I wouldn't even be allowed to have this conversation because we're two different colors, which makes no no sense. But the fact that we can even have it is progress because a lot of people, when we have these conversations, we tend to have them with the same like-minded people and it's not, it's not progressing whatsoever. You know, like if, if we want to learn from each other and we want to realize that we have similarities and we can help each other, we actually have to talk to each other and not just act like we don't exist. That's a good point. Yeah. But I mean, I think what you're doing, like you, everybody does it in their own avenue. Like I'm doing it through a podcast, but you're doing it through your speaking and you'll find other ways to do it. But there's so many people that are going through way worse than you and I have gone through and you and I have had it rough. And But they're they're fighting and they're overcoming. And, and you know, I think a lot, it, it's your message is, like I said, the reason why I was so adamant about tracking you down is because you're, you're such a great representation for for many reasons, but especially for what I'm very passionate about is people with disabilities because, you know, you could have given up a long time ago and I know your mom is a big impact and all that, but you specifically could have just given up and, and you, you're here today, even though you got many challenges, you're just, you're just a fighter in every way possible. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Like I said, I'm just grateful that you even wanted to do this. Um, do you have anything like you want to promote? Cause I didn't even ask you. No, I, you know what? Uh, I have. If you go to my website, Sean Harper dot org, there's a ton of information there. I got 
as I mentioned, I got four books in me. Uh, I have an actual course that talks about winning. You go to uh, SeanHarperWins.com. SeanHarper.co gives a free copy of my book. I'll have stuff coming out, but what I really want your listeners to do is to go to Sean Harper Speaker, S-H-A-W-N-H-A-R-P-E-R Speaker, and join my Instagram because I'm going to be promoting books and everything. It's going to be a firestorm of just things are going to be coming out. I uh, I think I I don't know if I added you or not, but I'll, I'll definitely have to. But that's kind of how I found you and. Uh, everything went, the episode will be out. It'll be a little while until it comes out, but when it does come out, obviously you'll be the first one to know. But also, all that stuff will be in the description. Um, but yeah, man, I, I hope we can keep in touch. I know you're a busy guy, but you know I appreciate someone who's you know given all you've given just to you know put yourself out there because there's you know there's always a lot of shame to share a lot of the personal things that you've gone through and the fact that you just. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you still have some depression and certain things you battle, but you you get up and you keep fighting, and you know, you're you're doing more not just for yourself, but you're you know, you're re- representing a bunch of people, and you know, you're doing a lot of great things, and you know, it shouldn't be it shouldn't go unnoticed. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, no problem. Um, is, is there is anything else we missed, or something else we should talk about? Because I'm I'm open to whatever. Nope, no. we're good. All right, brother. Like I said, keep in touch. I, I will. Um, I really, like I said, I wish nothing but the best for you. And like I said, I'm here anytime if you ever, even if you just need someone to talk to. Man, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. And you, and same way to you. You keep pushing too. I will, my friend. People like you are the ones that keep me going because when I get down and I feel like shit, I I have someone on and I meet someone, make a friend, and it's like you know, you know, it's it's great to not feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but all right, buddy. You enjoy the rest of your. You know, tell your wife to drive safe, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. All right. All right. You take care. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. Hey guys, that was great. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was like a smidge nervous because it's not even that because he has faint. It's just I've been wanting to get this done for months, and you know it's hard to reach these people, but you go through the right channels and he's just a good down earth guy i'm just i'm man i'm so happy to get this done and um i know there's a little feedback i'm gonna try to cut it out as much as i can but uh i thought it came out pretty well excuse me um but yeah man i i, I said i i i don't know i don't know i, I hate because i feel like i talk about myself too much but i really am trying hard to get all the best guests I can and I, and they don't have to have any fame for, for me to have them on. But sometimes to reach a bigger audience, you need a certain group of a certain status and a person, unfortunately. Um, and I, I promise I'm not just using him for that. Cause I, I really like, I, the NFL stuff, it added to it, but I really just, I cared about getting his story out. Um, and, and he's not as more important. He's not more important than anyone else I had on, uh, will have on, or it doesn't matter their status. They're all equal in my eyes, honestly, and I'm not saying that just to be corny. There's people that I love, you know, that are my closest friends, you know, let's say like like Sue Ellen, who I've had on. I love her as much as I love anyone, but her story isn't more important than his or her, you know, or his is more important than our last guest or whatever because they equally serve the same purpose. Um, yes, he has more fame than the rest of them, at least as of up to now, but it doesn't matter. He's... He's, he's equal as important. It's just I chased him because he's hard to get. Where a lot of these people like Sue Ellen, I could call anytime 
and she's such a good friend, she will do it for me. Um, but yeah, anyway, guys, I really hope you're all doing well. I'm in a good mood, not just because it's podcast, but um, I'm just in a good mood. I'm, I'm chipper. So uh, Bullet was here, but he jumped off the couch, and I guess he got tired of me squirming around. Um, I'm just trying to think of any updates. Oh, I'm on Adderall. I don't know if I mentioned that, so I'm a little uh, bouncy. Uh, just like a, a small dosage, just to kind of get my focus together. But uh, yeah, our last guest and I are kind of going back and forth. Hopefully she's going to try to help me with my brain fog because boy, do I want to get rid of that. It's been a little better lately, but we'll see. Um, I'm yammering, but yeah, guys, I hope everybody stays positive And, you know, I, I, I try to, as I said, I'm a very visual person. I try to paint the picture for you guys. There are a lot of people out here that are doing extraordinary things and they lack certain things that most people think that they cannot do this and that. And, and um, Sean is, is a perfect example of that. He's just a, he's a guy who had to fight for everything. And he had a decent, he had a great mom in his life who was just a decent support for him to get him through these things. But overall, he had it in there the whole time. And, and he struggled and he fought. But he he's just a good dude. And, I you know, I love how humble he is to say, you know, hey, man, I'm still struggling with things. But he keeps challenging himself and he keeps giving himself, you know, opens to struggle because he could stick to what he knows and not struggle. But he, he challenges himself. And that's that's just it's such, I don't know. To me, it's beautiful. I, I, I love everything he stands for. He's just a you know, fantastic uh, person. And, you know, uh, I think we will keep in touch. You know, I'm going to try. No, yeah, yeah, we'll keep in touch. But uh, yeah, guys, take care of yourself. And uh, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go have some ice cream. So see you guys next week. Bye, guys.